Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. I mentioned I was listening to Kira, Kira Kelly here on Breakfast a little earlier this morning, and she was talking about female pain being dismissed and her own experience writing about it too on Sunday. Um, and it just struck a chord with me because it reminded me of so many conversations that we have had here chatting to you, chatting to Lunchtime Live listeners on the programme over the past number of years. And so, so many of you have told me about feeling dismissed when you go to see the GP or just feeling like your 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 pain, your symptoms um, weren't being listened to, that more could have been done and it wasn't done and you were sort of silenced in talking about your medical conditions and ailments. And I thought we'd chat to people about this today in the show because I want to hear your experience. You can drop me an email, as always. That's lunchtimelive at newstalk.com. I mentioned we were going to chat about this and Rene is with us on the programme because it's something that you've been through, Rene, that, that feeling of just being dismissed. Yeah, I was 37 at the time and I'd gone to the doctor for uh, recurring UTIs And there was one particular question that she asked me at the time and she just said, are your periods regular? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, but yes, my periods were still regular at the time. But what I didn't know was that it was actually the start of perimenopause for me, but the doctor did not probe anymore. Um, Yes, regular periods can be a sign of perimenopause, but I really wished at the time that she had pushed me more and asked me some more questions and she didn't. So I was putting up with, you know, the symptoms of, of a really sore bladder, UTI type symptoms for about three years, three or four years before I actually realised what it was that was causing it. And the doctor had set me off for tests, cameras, everything, and everything kept coming back as negative. And I, I kept going back to the doctor saying, there's, there's definitely something wrong here. And it was literally only through listening to um, a talk that Davina McCall had actually done with a brilliant UK doctor called Louise Newson. They were actually talking about how perimenopause can cause all these and it was through them that I found out that this was a perimenopause symptom. And once I had that information, I was able to go back to my doctor armed with that information and say, actually, I have a whole list of symptoms. This is actually part of it. You know, I I really felt gaslit for years because it's going on for years. And a lot of women don't know that that in particular is a perimenopause symptom and they'll put up with it for years and they'll keep going back for antibiotics. But antibiotics are not actually the, um, the fixed in a lot of cases for that, what they need is vaginal oestrogen, which literally worked for me, which is ironic, in two days. Yeah. And I was putting up with the game changing for once, about three years. Ga- literally yeah. game changing once once you're on it. Yeah, yeah. But you had and to I, know I, about that, Rene. I had Only to know for about you it. Listened, you know, like in heard Davina exactly. McCall. Exactly. I just happened to, to hear that, and Davina McCall has done, you know, great work yeah. um, in in bringing uh, these kind of women's issues uh, to light. So people just aren't silenced. You know, we need to be talking about this, and I really think that over the last few years, that has been brilliant strides. Um, in what has happened and obviously an awful lot more work has to be done but even mm-hmm. just in perimenopause and menopause alone like really if people think that they possibly have these symptoms they need to go with a list of them to their doctor and just demand to be heard and another thing that we've heard from people as well I've spoken to a lot of people about this 
they keep thinking that they have to go to their regular GP. And really what they need to do is call their GP service first and ask to speak to the, you know, speak to the secretary and say to them, listen, I'm, I think I'm in perimenopause. I'd like to be put in with the doctor that you think has the most up-to-date training or, um, you know, an information mm. about perimenopause and menopause. And bear in mind, it may not That's be your regular GP, yeah. but they will still have all your information right in front of them. But you're going to be some, you know, in with someone that um, that really understands it a lot more because I like there's a lot of great doctors out there, but a lot of them I think are very mm. afraid of hormones and prescribing them and um in, and in women's health okay. in, in general they kind of seize up about it yeah to be honest. yeah no yeah. it's yeah and, and look i mean like obviously people have an interest and in, and and you know specialize in in certain areas more than others like i imagine that's just totally natural why not just say listen this isn't my area of expertise but however my colleague the gp next door in the room you know, she's all across this. This is what she's really interested in. You're better maybe to go and see her. Duran's on the line as well, um, Renee, because I know Duran, I, I've chatted to you before about um, your experience with endometriosis, but how long was your pain dismissed for? Oh, probably um, 30 years, I'd say. Um, now, I have to say my GP is amazing. So a big shout out to him because he never dismissed me. He never, you know, minimised any any ailment that I went into him about and always pushed for referrals. It was referrals like from the specialists, um, being an A&E um, that really minimised my symptoms. And it, came, it became so bad, the gaslighting was so bad that you start to actually wonder, maybe it isn't as bad as it is. Um, and then obviously I got so unwell that... The, the the scans and the surgeries mm-hmm. I had to have validated that no, it was not in your head ever. Nearly as so, if yeah. you were sort of making it up, Duran. Like I was listening earlier as well to um Lisa talking, um, because my son texted me to say endo on news talk and like the amount of times I've been brought into A and E and I have been so unwell I couldn't barely speak and they're putting it down to, are you stressed? And like mm. the the gaslighting and the minimising has to stop. It's still happening. Like I'm I'm 20 years post-diagnosis and I'm still experiencing it if I have to be rushed into hospital or I have to see a, a highly what kind of consultant. What sort of things, Darren, you know, are, are sent to you? Well, like I could write a book. Um, like recently I was with a specialist um, because I have a very serious, um, I won't even go into the details, mm. I have a serious spread of the disease again. And like my my abdominal is so swollen and I showed him how swollen it was. And he said, well, that happens to, to women your age when the scan shows that I actually have a very serious issue. And I'm now looking at leaving Ireland to go to the UK to a specialist because I'm just constantly being met with these remarks when I'm going to see private and public um, doctors mm. in Ireland. Just It, it happens to, to women your age, so basically just sort of soak it Deal up and say it. nothing kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. So we sort of, is it is it mainly, I wonder, around um, periods and menstruation? Like, is that when we, we, a lot of people tend to experience this, like... 
I think menopause. There's a lot of stigma and taboo still linked to the misinformation um, attached to women's health. And the minute you mention, like, oh, I have pain during my, well, I don't have a cycle anymore because I had a hysterectomy at 37. But any time you mention this, it's nearly linked to, oh, that's normal. And mm-hmm. it's not normal. I mean, I was in A&E um, for, like, regularly I would I would have been in for um, ovarian cysts before my ovary had to be removed. And literally being told oh well it's not at the five centimeters yet so we can't do anything about it but it's four centimeters so just go home and wait till it gets worse and come back to us then (laughs) and like this is just baffling i mean i i laugh about it with my with my friends because otherwise you'd be crying all the time but i'm hearing it from it's not even the endometriosis community, it's women in general going into see doctors and specialists and A&E about, you know, women's health issues and just being minimised and dismissed and told to deal with it and get on with it. And this is normal. I mean, the first time I felt normal was when I went to the menopause hub last year and felt validated and, you know, heard and seen because I had been in mm. a surgical menopause for seven years and not treated. It's it's pretty it's pretty incredible that you can be told, Darren. You know, to, to go home and, and come back to us when you're when you're in more pain and you're a lot worse, and we can you know because what you're dealing with is is nearly normal. And I suppose Sinead is on the line as well. Um, it's very hard though, Sinead, to know what is normal. You know, and what is your sister or your mother or your friends like? What's their kind of pain threshold? How, like how bad or what pain are they dealing with? It's it's hard when the medic, the person who's trained for ten twenty years. The expert is telling you this is just normal to start doubting them. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. But I, I think what's more worrying here really is that there is a, there is a historical imperative around um, pain relief being offered to women, particularly in my experience in gynecological um Procedures. So, for example, you know, people having um, IUDs fitted, people having smear tests, even people having mammograms. You know, the the the, the nice euphemism that's word that's used <laughs> for pain is the, is the term uncomfortable. This might be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I had, a, I know, it's hilarious. I had an IUD fitted about. Oh my God, it's it's probably about fifteen years ago. This now. the coin. Um, I. Yeah, the coil, yeah. exactly. I um, I didn't ask for pain or for pain relief. It wasn't offered to me. And quite frankly, I nearly passed out on the yeah, table. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. No, I, mean, I, I don't never believe felt, it. I've never felt such discomfort in inverted commas in my entire life before. But I mean, none of this is all that surprising in my in, in my opinion, because um, traditionally speaking, obviously back in, you know, oldie worldy days, if you like, women didn't work in science or medicine. And as a result of that, all the research that's been done in human health was done on men. In fact, it's only uh, 30 years ago that they started to introduce females into clinical trials. So, you know, it's, uh, it's all skewy. It's all wrong. But I mean, I, I, I really do believe we need a serious shift, um, certainly within the medical uh, community that, you know, things like having 
IUDs or coils fitted. Um, not everybody enjoys going down to have um, a, a smear test. And I don't know anybody who, who relishes the thoughts of a mammogram. And definitely mm. pain relief should be offered. Yeah, in you can add colposcopy exactly. to that, la- you exactly. know, as well. And and it's it's funny you say that because we they're kind of nearly the normal things that were, you know, you, as yeah. you say, go and get your smear test and, and all of that. And I would never even cross my mind to think of asking yeah. For some well, kind I of pain. We, I, I, I think, to be honest with you, we have been conditioned not to yeah. because well, I wouldn't and, and, think it's again, serious is, enough, nearly. Exactly, it's not serious enough because you know why is it not serious enough? It is serious enough. Um, so you know, I feel that there has to be a, a total shift there. Women need to ask for pain relief, but more than that, I, I believe that the medical uh, community needs to to um, consider offering it to women in these situations. Um, that would certainly be my stance on it. Um, Siobhan is on the line as well. Siobhan, have, like, have you found over the years, was your pain dismissed? Uh, hi, Adrian. How um, are you? No, I have to say, no, I was very lucky. Um, just once after having my son, and I'll talk about that in a second, but I dismissed my own pain because, like, I had severe endometriosis and... I, um, you know, you hear like of period pain, so I'd be like, well, I have my periods, I'm in pain, so it must be just, this is the way it's meant to be, you know? And so I just got on with it. And like my mother was from the generation where, you know, unless you were on your deathbed and just about to be handed your death there, you just got on with things. So I just got on with it. And I it was 20 years, and then in my early 30s, I started getting my periods for very heavy for eight weeks solid. Um, or I'd start if if I if, if I didn't have my period, I could get like um kind of just you know you'd get no warning just rushes of blood. Mm. So I could be standing in Tesco, I could be in work, um and just my, my even if with endometriosis like you know I'd be nearly blacking out vomiting, um and my personality would change. Yeah. You know I'd feel like a different person. And when I when I went to my doctor, I I had the best doctor um. In, um, I have to say she was fantastic and I was referred to the tomb and the consultant was fantastic as well and she said like this personality types A to D and then for her as far as she's concerned it's type E personality which is endometriosis personality because it affects you so badly but I ignored all of the signs and just got on with it you know and once I was referred it was dealt with and I got fantastic care I Okay well that's good to I hear Sean but but for me it was the fact that I wasn't aware and I'm sure there was plenty know, of people yeah. that are not aware. You're like, you know, stop complaining. It's just you know, it's period time, just get on with it, you know. So and I wasn't that that was said to me, but I said it to myself. I was like, It's just you know, just this is the way it is. Well that's the thing. Like it's hard and even when you think back, even my own time, like in, in school and that and you know, when that's starting, like it it's hard to know what is normal. It is hard to know what's normal. And when I had my, my, my son it was my, my, my first child. I was in hospital. We were in for 16 days after he was born because they ignored um, the fact that I kept saying, I have an infection in my stitches. I didn't know what an infection, because mm-hmm. I had a C-section, I didn't know what an infection was like. But I just, you, I, I, you can almost smell an infection. Mm-hmm. And I just knew I wasn't right. I started having convulsions, sore in temperatures, and it was almost like a stroke. I couldn't talk. And I, I remember, like, I... I remember my partner's face at the time when the first time it happened in the hospital and they, they put it down to me um, being an over-anxious mother because I had also picked up on an infection that my son had in the hospital 
and low blood sugars as well. He started convulsing as well, and they were saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. And they kept saying I was over. I said, I want this child checked. Like, I wouldn't let it drop. Mm. And because I was on stuff, I wasn't letting it go. They ignored it with me, with my stitches. And they ended up having to transfer me to James. I was that ill. That was. Um, and it's in days in hospital, yeah. you know. Under only for you. Only, they wouldn't listen. Yeah, only, only for you. you. You spoke up, Siobhan, and you, and you asked. Michelle, you've had, a, you know, somewhat of a similar experience, like in that your pain too has been dismissed. Um, yes, and Andrea, I'm so delighted to hear that this conversation finally taking place because there's been a lot of talk about uh, menopause and endometriosis, and rightly so. But I think it's a much wider issue. Um, I've been in pain, constant pain, for six years. And I've often said to my husband, if I was a man, I don't think I'd still be in pain or somebody could tell me what's causing it. And um, my own GP has been very good. She has referred me. I write about health journalism myself, so I've done a lot of my own research. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I cannot get an answer. I have a pain in my side. Still, it Michelle? Like, still, yeah. And it feels like somebody has their hand in my side and is squeezing constantly. And you're I've six years my, like this? And six years, yeah. I've had my appendix out. I've gone to London for nerve entrapment surgery and nothing has helped. No medication, nothing. How many doctors or consultants have you seen here? It's about 17 now, including the right. one in London. So for a year, I was told it was IBS, even though I argued against that because I have IBS and I know what it is and what it feels like. And I'm not the only one who's been told it's IBS when it comes to pain. So um, I'm still, I'm on an anti-epilepsy drug at the moment, which takes the edge off a tiny bit, but not that much. So I'm facing to come back in. I've had nerve blocks. I've had kind of everything you can think of. And going back in now for some kind of pain infusion and also uh, another laparoscopy to query endometriosis. But no answer. And what sort of, Michelle, um, like what sort of statements or, or lines or feedback do you get from the 17 consultants when you, when you talk about the pain you're in and that feeling of just being dismissed? I, it's it's been the loneliest, most isolating, scary experience because you're in pain all the time. It's getting worse every year. Nobody can give you an answer. I've, I've I feel like the parcel in past the parcels because you're you're passed from one to. If somebody can't help you, that's it. You go back to your GP and you kind of have to come up with where do we go from here. Mm. So I've been asked to be referred to I don't know how many pain management consultants, gynees, gastroenterologists. Uh, laser therapy, even during lockdown, I had an angel healer trying to hoover the pain out of my mm. side. I mean, you will go you to try anyone. anything. And what you, I have felt it, is the, the complete lack of empathy. I've met some really? lucky people along the way, yeah. mainly physios, I have to say, who, who seem to have the most empathy. But there's been massive lack of empathy, not only in, in male doctors, a female um, gastroenterologist who barely looked up from her phone to look at me, you know, while while we were having the consultation. She just decided it's IBS, that's it. And secretaries, consultant secretaries, not all of them, but some of them. You know, it's 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 just awful. They're, they can be so cold and unfeeling. And when somebody's in pain and vulnerable, you need a bit of kindness. Yeah, I know. You know, even some a nice voice at the end of the phone where you're getting this cut off abrupt unkind. You're wasting you know. their time. Yeah. Yes, and yes. in the line of work you're in, Michelle, you know, like you're, you're writing for, I know, you're, you're, I know who you are now. It's like, you know, 
I suppose from the kind of research you've been doing over the years, like you'd have a good grasp of, you know, the, the I suppose how people's stories are told and 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 the way people would talk to people, and you know, yeah. and it's you know you've the the research done on the kind of your own ail, ailments and, and symptoms. Um, and and you know, I've to... told so many of these stories myself over the years, and yeah. felt so so such empathy for the, the mainly women I was writing about. I never expected to find myself in this in situation. situation. But I yeah. think the big problem is if it doesn't show up on a scan, if there's nothing there that they can see and they can treat, they just they just don't know what to do. In a lot of situations, it's just move on, next yeah. patient. Yeah, I can't help you. Sorry, that's it. And another door is closed and it is, I have walked out of so many offices and got into the car and cried. Yeah, Last November I said to my husband, because I, I sit for a living, I write, um, driving, I can't, I, I live in Cork from Galway. I went home once last year and that was for work. I had to go. Uh, can't drive long distances. It, it really, it affects your life mm. in so many ways. And that's very disheartening, Michelle. It is. Yeah, yeah it's when, there's no, when there's no answer. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for, for joining us. I hope you get sorted, Michelle. You know, and I hope you, you, you find out whatever it is that, that's causing it and that you at least even get, you know, a, a friendly face or, or somebody on the other end of the phone. Um, 17 doctors, you'd like to think you'd, you know, be able to find out or get to the bottom of whatever the problem is. Thank you to all of you for sharing your stories with us today. Um, to Michelle there and Siobhan, Sinead there and, and, and Renee, if you want to get in touch or share your own experience, you can always drop me an email lunchtime live at newstalk.com lunchtime live with andrea gilligan weekdays at midday brought to you by active iron on news talk